back with another episode of The Exchange presented by Confederation Group. I'm Sam McPhail, and with me virtually is my co-host, Blake Doyle. What's happened this past week, Blake? Besides isolation, I mean, we're continuing to do this podcast, uh, and we really designed this to meet people face-to-face, and we'd be face-to-face. So we've adapted. We're remote, and, um, you know, it's an unusual environment. Things are businesses not as usual. There's lots of anxiety out there, so, you know, things are good could be better. Exactly. Um, so we have a pretty good interview on tap, uh, no pun intended. We have the Lone Oak Boys, Jared, Spencer, and Dylan. Um, we'll get back, we'll get to that later, but before that, um, pretty pretty uh, impressive Netflix shows on the past couple of weeks. Um, uh, I've watched all of Tiger King, and I think you might have watched a couple episodes too. Um, what's your take on Carol Baskin? Well, I understand that she's not allowed to cross the bridge. Uh, I think the Minister of Transportation has specifically denied her access to the island. So uh, I don't, you know, there's uh, pop culture content and then there's just sort of mind-numbing waste of time. <laughs> Psychotic, can't, ladder. can't take your eyes off it type of content, uh, yeah. No, I, I was just teasing around. Um, but so actually this week you mentioned, or tomorrow I guess on Saturday, you'll have another article in The Guardian kind of discussing some more COVID-19 uh, impacts and do you want to do you want to discuss that a little bit well i could just touch on it so i mean uh there's a couple of main themes here number one i kind of i think the government the federal and provincial government strategy is incoherent at best it's not a really great strategy in my opinion it's a little bit knee jerk and um, i do commend government for making rapid decisions but now i think we need to step back and assess okay what were the purposes of these uh programs and how do they align with a broader strategy and then what are we going to do? Does this help us get out of the situation? Um, and I hope that's coming. But I think the bigger opportunity for me might be, you know, government have uh, forced businesses to close. Businesses did not shut down. How does government help us, uh, help all business, small business, get out of this jam? And we're in a pretty unique position here in PEI. And one thing we talked with, with Jeff Cook about, well, PEI is almost a microcosm in Myers credit. Carol Baskin's not getting across the bridge. And they're really watching who does travel across our entry points. So once we get this, um, the, the traveling public, who is primarily who have tested positive so far for COVID, if we can manage the community um, infections or transmissions, is there an opportunity to contain the virus and then have some semblance of normality return? So I'm thinking of you know, in a normal circumstance, when you go through a recession, in this case, the unemployment rate will probably be larger than the last depression, the 30s. Um, you can have a war to get yourself out of an economic slump, or you can have a massive uh, infrastructure stimulus. But the people who are displaced, primarily restaurateurs, restaurant workers, um, hairdressers, I mean, they're not going to build bridges and roads. So we need to find another way to stimulate out of this. And, and maybe that's the opportunity to contain microcosm environment where locally we're supporting local businesses to kind of get up and going, buy newspapers, get your hair cut or dyed. Um, and I think there is a very, this is a bit risky and I don't know what the time would be, but a kind of unique proposition. So that's one of the focus of the business edge this week. Yeah, I think it's, it's like you said, like everyone's going to have, well, your hair always grows, but I think even kind of people are getting frustrated at this point, two weeks in, like, oh, I want to go get my haircut, I want to go get my haircut. But uh, like, it's just, people need to realize that now we need to, we need to stay home. We need to keep waiting this out. But like you said, there's going to be up to some, some sort of uh, kind of island economy that will kind of pop up and it'll be all supporting local. And I think we are continuing to see that 
Um, even with restaurants with uh, like home deliveries, free delivery, um, my friend uh, Colton at Golden Custom Clothing is doing uh, fundraiser uh, web stores for different companies who want to uh, do, raise some money during the kind of the, the tough times, I guess, when they can't be open. Um, so like you said, like the service industry, like haircut or hairdressers, uh, even musicians, uh, restaurants that are kind of seeing slower times. Um, so there, there is kind of unique spinoffs occurring during uh, economic spinoffs during the kind of COVID-19 outbreak, but obviously it's not going to be enough to pay the bills and keep all the lights open. Um, but I think it's, it's a, a step in the right direction. Yeah. So how, how do we, I guess, take best, um, not an advantage, but uh, best capitalize on this situation to keep the economy churning as best we can. I had a couple of birthdays here actually yesterday, uh, two of my daughters had a birthday. So, you know, we were able to support local, uh, purchases from you know we've got a cake at, at one of the grocery stores that we're able to you know pick up curbside uh, one of the local stores you're able to order online and have something available and then uh, we ordered from a couple of different restaurants because you know they're all economy but it's not vibrant and it's, there's still a lot of displacement and more concerning some of these programs really don't react fast enough to support the imposition of the um, COVID impact but there are success stories, uh, like the people we'll be talking about shortly. Yeah, exactly. And I think you're probably having cake for breakfast this morning then. Um, but but it's, it shows that the, even the companies like grocery stores, for example, they were already trending towards stuff like curbside pickup. So like order online, come get your groceries outside, someone will deliver them for you. So I think it's just kind of a forced pilot that says, okay, this is what the, the new norm is going forward. Um, and whether that'll be a good thing or not, um, but I think it's still it still proves that this is going to happen regardless of this pandemic, but the pandemic pushes it a little faster than it would have been normally. Yeah, I forget the name of the company that actually does the grocery shopping and they'll deliver it right to your house. It's a, it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's not global, it's certainly North America wide entity. And they're trying to support their staff by giving them, you know, better pay and, and some uh, health related um, access masks and things. So I think you're seeing a transformation in the economy. And one of the things we talked about too is this creative destruction. So you're seeing a whole bunch of barriers come in the healthcare sector where the bureaucracy of, of administrating services is gone. And even within the businesses that are thriving, a lot of the barriers are gone through destruction. You know, you're communicating like we are uh, through video conference. We had a conference call this morning with our staff trying to keep projects moving. And I think for the most part, we're quite successful at doing that. So you adapt, but do you need a physical rental space? Uh, and how's that gonna look coming out of this? Do people even wanna co-habitate in a similar uh, environment? Yeah, maybe 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 issues. your co maybe your coworkers smell bad and you just don't wanna be around them anymore. But like you said, a lot of online focused or cloud focused uh, companies, they're, they're just realizing that, okay, maybe this need isn't as much, or maybe we can have a smaller space and kind of a shared space instead of renting a thousand square feet we can rent 500 square feet and cut our costs that way moving forward um, it'll be interesting to see what actually takes place um, i guess for some for some businesses they hope that doesn't happen but you never know what will happen we'll adapt we will and we will adapt some companies won't survive this and uh, i think government should do everything they can to maintain as much um you know operations as they can because this is an, a unique situation that has nothing to to do with the businesses and self-imposed restrictions and people are complying with that so let's ensure yeah. we help so, them so, get that so speaking of adaptation um that'll lead us into our actually we had some technical difficulties with the interview but it turned out okay so we salvaged enough of it um but with lone oak uh, the boys at lone oak 
Um, and they've adapted quite well um, since the interview, especially with uh, they're doing free delivery uh, island-wide. Um, and they say 24 to 48 hours, but I, I know you ordered some Blake and from other people I've heard from, it took maybe 10 hours or overnight kind of thing. Um, so I think that's impressive and it's a, it's a nice gesture of them to do to kind of keep their business flowing and uh, keep people uh, liquored up, I guess you'd say. Uh, you know, I've heard stat and I forget what, I, I should have written it down, but it's, uh, you know, this is in the U.S., but liquor sales have increased like 60% or something through this pandemic. So I'd be curious to see what the, uh, I guess, PEI liquor commission are not really delivering, but I'd like to know what the um, increase in revenue has been like uh, in general through this period. Since they're Just public, they probably won't, they won't share that information, but <laughs> you never know. Well, it'll come out in the estimates, I guess, at some stage, but it, you know, for this window, what's happening. So we see where we can get reported data that there has been spikes. One thing um, with the Lone Oak guys, and, and this might be something for others to consider, but uh, as you know, I enjoy the game of rugby, which I pr probably can't play that well, but I, I still try to participate. Uh, we did host a video um, congregation last week, and in that I posted uh, one of the brewers, brewers Spencer is a... Um, rugby players so we posted a link people could order online i did that did get it very very quickly certainly within a day and uh you know through zoom we had a number of people actually from all over the globe had connected uh committed connected to the rugby club just to have a toast so you know there is still an opportunity to support some of these local brewers they're not getting the volume that they probably need to to meet their business goals especially coming into the summer um yep help shop local where you can support local invest local try to maintain some of these jobs and since this interview, they actually won the uh, the first ever Hopyard Beer Battle um, competition that was kind of a, a couple months long. It was every, every Thursday, um, I believe they had competitions like breweries that go head to head. Um, but Lone Oak came out on top and you were there. You and I were both there actually that night and uh, pretty pretty impressive to see how many people could fill Hopyard. And a lot of them, like you said, were rugby players uh, that were there supporting Spencer, a lot of Jared and Dylan's friends um, and just people who enjoy their beer too. Um, so without further ado, I guess, unless you have any other words of encouragement for Lone Oak, I'll switch it over to their interview and we'll go from there. Yeah, not just Lone Oak, but any of the brewers that are still able to deliver, uh, you know, Murphy's have a big operation. That Battle of the Brewers was with Copper Bottom, great company out of Montague that were right in there and everybody's bringing lots of Bogside was another supporters. one. Yeah. So Moth Lane. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of them. Anyway, back to you, Sam, and uh, hope everybody <laughs> has a good weekend and uh, we look forward to kicking this off again next week. For sure. All right, we'll transfer it over to our interview with Lone Oak Brewing. Hello, Prince Edward Island. Welcome to this episode of The Exchange with your hosts, Blake Doyle and Sam McPhail. They are interviewing us at some point. Um, we are Lone Oak. We got Dylan, Jared, and Spencer. Let's let it rip, boys. I think we've got the voice of The Exchange. <laughs> what do you charge per hour? We're not looking to lose our brewer yeah. here. Can't afford it. <laughs> Maybe not. The beer is great. We've had a number of them. They're uh, exceptional beer. Yeah, very pleased to be here. We've got a vibrant uh, craft brewery here at PEI, and we're with the Lono guys today. And uh, look forward to you guys joining in to hear what they have to say about entrepreneurship, shopping local, supporting local, and growing a brewery from the ground up. And more fun facts about Spencer. There's never an end of the fun facts that we can share with uh, So we're here today with the great guys from Lone Oak. Really excited about their new brewery launch, their new brew. They've got a number of beers they'll talk about today, I'm sure. And um, we're here. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Tell us what you do and uh, you know, how you got involved with this. Uh, I'm Spencer Gallant, um, head brewer and co-owner. So I look after all the production side of things while 
these guys do the front house and business stuff. Yeah. You've got experience in this kind of industry. You've been doing this for a little bit. Yeah, I worked for Pete Everett Company for six years. I uh, did some studied hops in my master's chemistry and did a chemistry degree. So not just a hat rack here. Uh. Yeah, actually, <laughs> most most brewers get into it through home brewing, right? I've actually never home brewed a batch of beer in my life. I just kind of jumped right in. And humble, but you've won some awards, I think, for some of your. Uh, it definitely wouldn't be isolated just to me, but like the team at P. Everum Company, I've played a role in some of the beers that have been medaled as the Canadian Brewing Awards. And a standoff. Yeah. Sorry, okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Jared Murphy, and uh, my role here is uh, CEO. And uh, I've always been uh, wanting to be in business, and I was always throwing around some ideas and business plans, and uh, one kind of uh, lined up with an idea that Spencer had. And, one thing led to another, and now we're here. So CEO, so what would your day entail as far as uh, what your activities Meetings like? only. Strictly meetings. <laughs> One podcast. Blowing <laughs> <laughs> <Blow and> snow. <laughs> uh, a little bit of uh, anything and everything right now. I think uh, we could all say the same thing, that uh, we're just trying to survive right now. We're all trying to make it work. We're probably trying to do uh, 20 uh, different jobs between five people. Um, so right now, it could be anything from getting up to shovel, to emails, to... Uh, making orders to, uh, to kind of making sure that you've got your finger in a little bit of everything and everybody's kind of on the same page and, and making sure things are running smoothly. And it's been more challenging than expected because you're doing everything from the bathrooms to the snow to the operations. Well, I think we knew what we were getting into. We knew it was going to be a challenge and uh, we were kind of willing to take that on. Uh, it was uh, an eye opener for us in December to open the tap room. I think that was something that surprised us to see how busy that that was. Uh, a really good problem to have. Uh, but it certainly brought along some challenges, but ones that you know we're not uh, you know we're not going to shy away from. What's your what do you got? To, uh, yeah, I'm Dylan White, uh, co-owner and sales officer. Um, before this, I've been in sales my whole life. Uh, I fell in love with the industry when I worked at uh, Gahan House. I was there for I think about seven years uh, on the bar, and uh, yeah, I fell in love with the craft beer industry just in general, and uh, I liked the joy it brought to people. So. Uh, yeah, it was all over something like this. So is this Lone Oak? Is it hard stuff to sell? <laughs> it really isn't. <laughs> I wasn't too concerned about it, knowing Spencer's uh, ability to make products. So, uh, yeah, the first uh, two months have been really easy, and I imagine going forward, uh, my job in terms of selling a product won't be very difficult. So when you guys first started, did you kind of have to go through any hurdles that you might not have expected, or is it, was there any kind of things that might have popped out there like, what in the hell, why is this is a part of business? I didn't know this. I'm sure there's plenty of them. I know Dylan could probably elaborate on one that he dealt with in terms of uh, permits. Yeah, so uh, I was handling kind of the licensing and the permits for getting uh, the tap room and the microbrewery right. up and running. Um, and there were some different hoops that we had to jump through that we just weren't really anticipating, but that uh, is how it goes, uh, especially with getting our um, appropriate license for the tap room. We had to go through a, a couple different hoops because Gateway Village actually is not part of Ford and Carlton, the municipality. It's part of the province. So there was a few other, you know, wheels we had to grease to be able to get what we needed to get to, to open on time. And, you know, that was fun, but we had lots of help from uh, friends and lenders and, uh, you know, mentors. The community's been pretty supportive. Yeah, it's been incredible. That's the other side of it, is everybody just needs to make sure that they're, you know, doing within their criteria of what they need to do. Everybody's supportive. There's not really anybody looking to throw hurdles at you. It's just once you realize that, let's say, the property's not zoned appropriately or something like that, then you've just got to take the necessary steps to get to where you need to be. So I'm a big advocate for less regulations and less red tape, um, but there are regulations certainly setting up a business like this. 
Um, one thing that kind of intrigues me is this logo. I don't know if you can see it or not very well. Certainly, it's behind us. It's a it's a pretty powerful image. And uh, wouldn't mind knowing a little bit about what that represents and how you came to let that embody your brewery. Yeah, for sure. So Spencer definitely needs to take the credit on the original idea. Um, Spencer has a strong interest in barrel aging products, and you'd only use oak barrels for that. Is that correct? Yeah, for the most part. Oak yeah. is a quality wood, and it's kind of tailored towards the beverage industry. So. That's typically what you see in wine and spirits. Well, was we wanted things to be simple, and we wanted it to align with our brand, which was quality and local. So fundamentally, we built two pillars, which again was quality and local. The oak tree is a quality wood, and uh, the oak tree can also be found on the Prince Edward Island flag. Right. Yeah. And what about the local? So obviously this symbol is pretty prominent as far as the center of your logo. It's a local, it's an island. Does that resonate with how you manage your business? That's kind of... Looking at our products and even our tap room, um, we wanted to support local as much as we can, right? So anything from all the ingredients that we use in our beer to the tables that we're having a beer at right now, um, it's all from Prince Edward Island. Um, craft beer and PEI being a relatively young industry, it's awesome to say that we have two island malt houses here. We get island malt house and shoreline malting, which we get about 95% of all our grain from. We have a new hop farm set up coming up here pretty soon, uh, Josh Mank at Island Hop Co. So I'm striving to use as many local ingredients as we can in our products because we always, we look at the people surrounding us, our customers. We want people to support us, we're a local business. So in turn, we want to support as many local businesses as we can as well, right? So, so that's in the production of the brewery, the, the mm -hmm. beers. What else, any other local kind of connection that you've got as an organization? Yeah, uh, Hopyard has been an amazing uh, kind of partner with us or organization where they've been uh, really supportive in buying our product and just uh, craft beer on PEI in Atlantic Canada as a whole where they uh, look to buy uh, a lot of their kegs and stuff and uh, they put on this new uh, Battle of the Breweries is what they call it. So um, we uh, went up against Evermore a couple weeks ago and it was a good showing and uh, we've got Bogside this week. Should be a good time. Uh, great for the industry to get people in and drinking uh, local craft beer. And you're distributing across PEI right now? Your beers are in multiple locations? Yeah, we're in uh, 10 liquor stores right now from O'Leary to Montague, and I think we're in about 24, 25 uh, restaurants uh, at this moment, and hopefully we'll grow quickly from there. Excellent. And operationally, things are good? You're happy with the way things are kind of progressing? It is. We're very happy. We're in flying off the seat of our pants, and we're in survival mode, uh, but they're all good problems to have. Right now we're figuring it out and uh, we're just uh, excited to move forward. Everyone's showing up on time to work, there's no, no time. Uh, Spencer can be a little, uh, no, it's, we, we, we've been you know, committed to this for two years now and it hasn't been just you know, the last month in the making and uh, you got to put in some early mornings and some late nights to make something like this happen. Right, and you guys had your uh, grand opening a couple weeks ago, so you're probably pretty late night that night, I would assume. <laughs> it's, uh, it was a hoot nanny for sure. Hoot nanny, yeah. <laughs> drank, the, drank the bar dry. Rumor has it uh, they heard you some Port Elgin. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's good. They good room to head. <laughs> um, so I guess from my perspective, I'm uh, a young entrepreneurial type person, type A, I guess, um, and I want to know. So did you guys? When, at what point were you? Did you were you willing to throw the risk away and just say, let's do this, let's make it happen? I think for us, it was uh, when the financing process was completed. Um, so you've got an idea, a dream, you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to do your own thing, be self-employed, you start with the pen to paper and we start putting a business plan together. We're meeting in 
classrooms that we defined open at UPEI at the, at the start of this. Um, and then once we got through our business plan, we started reaching out to, to possible lenders. Uh, and after going through that process uh, and being able to complete the, the financing to where we needed to be to know that we could make a real go at this, that's the point where we said, okay, you know, this is a reality now and we've got to be able to commit to 100%. Right. And are you seeing like, I guess, as young entrepreneurs, you're seeing that kind of community support that you might not see like maybe in Charlottetown or versus out here? Yeah, it's really been great to be honest with you. We weren't uh, quite sure what to expect being so rural and you know, population of Borden isn't crazy, but uh, the support that we've been getting, uh, even for people in Summerside, Charlottetown and down east southwest, along with Borden has been uh, incredible. Right on. So I'm just curious now, you guys, you each had jobs. Spencer, your job was a scrum half for the mud man. But you've all given up your careers to focus on your own entrepreneurial endeavor. Um, there's a lot of risk with that. Have you tried any businesses in the past? Is this your first attempt at business? And, um, you know, it's a big trade off. Are you still comfortable with the fact that you've given away a salary and guaranteed income or some playing time, in your case, Spencer, to, to then, you know, uh, definitely a huge risk, um, but I think it was tough to. You got to be confident in your product, right, and in your the services that we provide. So, um, Jared and Dylan are both great guys and quite confident in what we've accomplished so far. So, it made it a little easier to make that leap of faith, right, to give up a job and uh, kind of go on a, on a on a limb and start your own business, but. Um, so far, things have been going great, and continue to strive for, for what we can do. And we're, we're young, right? Yeah. Uh, we realize how young we are, uh, especially throughout this process. I mean, we definitely didn't build this brewery on our own. We had a ton of support from family, friends, people in the industry. It was a community that was was able to help us put this together. Uh, we certainly can't take full credit for it. Um, but let's say, for instance, things don't go uh, the way we hope they do. Uh, we know we've got a lot of time to bounce back. Right. Just doing the rentals in here. I mean, Jared could always pick up a job scene filling. That's, that's a skill. Janitorial <laughs> services. There's not go. many people yeah. can do that. So you do have Staying in wood. Yeah. Something that uh, I do if I have to, but I don't know if I'd want to make a career out of this. It's tough work. Uh, I know Sam and I, we're excited to be here. We're delighted that uh, we had the opportunity to chat. In fact, we both grew facial hair because we thought we'd be more guys. Any advice you guys have for other entrepreneurs who might be looking to take the same risk you guys have, giving away the security of a salary to try your own thing, would you recommend it? Yeah, I mean, I would just say if, if there's something that you really want to do uh, and you know you can make it work, you might as well give it a shot. You can only get one of these, so take a stab at it and see what happens. But I've been really happy with the way things have gone so far. I have no regrets up to now. Yeah, and you know everything that you read in a business book about how much work it is to take something on uh, on your own. Uh, you know, there's. Uh, a reason why everyone says the same thing. It takes a, a ton of work, uh, but it certainly doesn't feel like work when you're going through the process and you're doing it for yourself and you've got a dream and you see a goal at the end of the day. You guys are tracking, okay, you're comfortable with the progress you're making, you're, on, you're, you're executing your plan that you envisioned and you're... Yeah, back to that local support that we've been getting across the island. We've exceeded our expectations based on the projections of our business plan to date. Um, and that has been very rewarding and again that goes back to the local support not just from the region but uh, across the island in general. And you guys have a pretty, like I know you two played soccer together, you and Dylan and Jared, but 
you also have a pretty big reach because you brought on Spencer and you, you kind of bring all three of your kind of networks together and you're able to pull in a, a wide range of people, whether they're from Western PEI, Eastern PEI, or, or Central. Yeah, we're all island native. We've lived our, here our whole lives and we've taken on two employees that are also island natives. Um, Dan Hendrickin uh, from the eastern part of Prince Edward Island, again, you know, has his own family and network of friends you know, from a part of the island that you know, we might not necessarily have a whole lot of network in. Right on. I think this has been a pretty successful uh, visit. We're delighted to have joined you guys. And, uh, you got a beer out of it? Too. Afternoon beer. We got to finish that beer, but uh, <laughs> it's no problem. That's great product. And uh, I encourage anybody driving by. If you leave PEI, stop on the way off the island. And when you're coming back, it'll be your first stop when you return. So thank you guys for the loan out. and appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank Cheers. you very much. Cheers. Can we stay for the afternoon now? Yeah, we go to the Summerside. Yeah. <laughs> Do we really have to, though? Summerside. We really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thanks for coming out. Especially you know, we're trying to build a brand and get our name yeah. out there. I think it's uh, it's, a, it's, it's fun for us. Like I literally came to a brewery for the afternoon. Welcome <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to uh, our life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Quilting next. Yeah. Your next venture. <laughs> there you have it. Our interview with Lone Oak Brewing Co. Jared Spencer and Dylan, three great guys doing great things. Um, rural PEI in Borden. Um, so it, it's pretty impressive to see how they've adapted even despite uh, the, the coronavirus outbreak. So they've uh, done free delivery island-wide like many uh, breweries have done. They've also uh, started doing Facebook Live trivia with uh, Spencer and Dan. They've done uh, various Facebook Live concerts. Um, and I think that'll continue, but it's a, it's a, it's a very uh, sincere way of adapting um, and keep people engaged with your brand, um, and they've done an exceptional job of that, and I, I'm assuming they will continue to do that and likely do even newer things as time goes on. Um, so, again, thank you to Lone Oak Brewing Co. for having us up that afternoon, um, probably about a month ago now, um, and sorry again for some technical difficulties. Um, we weren't exactly pro podcasters back then, so some of the things were cut short and not saved, but that's okay, and we will likely definitely have them on again. Um, try the beer, deliver it, it's free. Uh the beer isn't free, that is, but the delivery's free, so you can you can get a few few cans while you're bored at home. Um, that wraps up today's episode. We'll be back Monday with some more uh, interesting individuals. We have some people who work both in government, private sector, um, entrepreneurs lined up for next week. Um, be sure to check out Blake's Business Edge column in The Guardian tomorrow morning. Um, and until then, stay safe, wash your hands, and continue social distancing. Thanks, guys.